0: Don't let the old man in. I won't let this alone, can't leave it up to you, he's knocking on my door, and I knew all of my life, that someday it would end. Get up and go outside. Welcome back to the Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, joined here by our host and star of this show, Kevin Kernan, America's most beloved sports writer. This is Coach and Kernan, episode 459 on the network. Before we bring Kevin on and our get special guest today, I just want to give a special couple notes to the audience. First, I want to Make you aware of our products out there on millions. Make sure you follow that tagline on millions. Our merchandise dropped last week. Hats, sweatshirts, hoodies, t-shirts for our audience there. Um, you can get them all right on one site, directly delivered to you. Also want to thank, and we have the guest today, not to spoil the the punchline here, but Kinetic Arm. If you go to Kinetic Arm and you use RVG DAG at checkout, you'll get a discount on the Kinetic Arm product, which is to me, uh, reduces risk. Uh, you know, my son Tanner's using it right now. He loves the protection that it gives to him. to overloads that stress externally, takes away from that overload, so he loves that. Also, Jaw Bats, the newest certified bat company, Major League Baseball. RVG at checkout gets you a discount there. Tanner's using his M110 model. You'll see both of those products on social media that we're doing. And a new product will come in the mix today, Monet, a hair product. I don't know how they found us, Kevin, but uh, apparently they like our hat heads. On audio, So uh, we'll find out more about that. But to our 68,000 subscribers now, uh, make sure you pay attention to our special events coming up in March. <clears throat> we'll be doing virtual clinics for our audience. In addition to the experiences, you can get them to come to do individually on millions. So uh, again, go back to that link on millions. You can bring Kevin Kernan to, to ask him a question about reporting, ask him a question about baseball. He's been around some of the greats, the Hall of Famers. Uh, and also you can hire him to come in and speak in person or speak virtually. A lot of great options there. All of this stuff will be leading up to a big event in December. Uh, we're excited to kind of finally get to know our audience there. Uh, with that, Kevin, welcome back to your show. Uh, touched a lot of hearts with that that recent article, as you always do, but specifically with with, with scout Billy Milos.
1: Thanks, Dave. Yep. Uh, you know, it's like I was talking to somebody today uh, earlier, a couple people actually, and, and they pointed out that, one of the reasons why they love to read me at ball com is that I'm writing stories and there are no more stories. And uh, I think there aren't any more stories in, in a lot in sports journalism, especially baseball, baseball journalism has digressed into, uh, a prediction where this free agent might go, a prediction, what trade might be made. And of course, those trades are never made. Um, a a pompous uh, comment about something that people don't know and about writers who are from writers who were never at anything or have never been anywhere. I mean, it's so funny. I mean, I was just watching the, um, uh, it was a really nice, uh, finding some good things on TV recently, surprisingly. You know, um, the Dynasty over on Apple Plus TV about the um, Patriots, but I was there when Bledsoe got hurt. I was there when Brady won in 2000. The 2001 season, 2002 with the Super Bowl. Then I switch over to, um, uh, there was a nice NBA feature on Larry Bird and Isaiah Thomas and Reggie Miller. I saw uh, that. Yeah, it was good. Indiana baseball and uh, foot basketball. And of course, I was there for all those, all those games that they talked about when Bird stole the ball. Uh, you know, so in addition to baseball being there everywhere, too, going back to, uh, yeah, you know, being seven years old and watching Mazeroski hit the home run, but then being there live when Gibson hit his home run. So, anyways, I know what the game is all about, uh, and all I have to do is watch TV to see.
0: And sometimes you'll see me pop up in these shows too, as well as as in uh, the Last Dance, of course. I saw. I told you when, when we saw that the first time, Tanner had seen pictures of you obviously online and whatnot. <laughs> you haven't met him in person, but uh, he picked you out right away. He goes, "That's that's Mister Kern," and he called you. And I oh, like, that's mm. funny. I had yes. to rewind it.
1: Yeah, he's uh well he's pretty sharp he's got a good eye. and uh, so anyway we uh, fast forward to you know I write twice a week, not easy because I write long stories, you know, two thousand word stories, um, and I don't want to just mail it in, and I, it's just not not a prediction, like I said, not not the stuff you're reading everywhere. So I, I, Billy Milo's, I've known Billy for many years, great, the most, he's the most Midwest guy you could imagine. I mean, he lives in uh, Crown Point, Indiana, is from Chicago, was t- mentored by scouts out of Chicago. You know, so he's been on all those fields, all those backfields, everywhere. Been with the Twins forever. Twins used to be great and Terry Ryan, treated their people great. I don't even mention new people because they're not worth mentioning. Um, but they've changed. They've changed over the last few years, uh, like most teams, changed for the worst. Uh, they tell you they're going to get better and they only get worse. Um, And the twins are lucky they're in a bad division. So they can, they can, they can make the playoffs, but they never make a dent in the playoffs. But Billy was uh, with the team forever. He, he was the one who recommended the uh, Johan Santana trade kind of worked out well for the twins. Um, Tons of uh, signings, um, tons of trade, uh, you know, uh, recommendations that worked out for the twins. And then he created, in 2015, and that's why it would be interesting to talk to our guests in a few minutes, but in 2015, Billy created his own niche. And he did this by starting to realize he he lived uh, 19 miles from Gary, Indiana, so he started scouting independent league ball. Because the way it works, uh, you know, teams need players. They need to fill out the organization, injuries happen, and every once in a while you find a diamond in a rough. A rough like Nick Anderson and Nick Anderson, if you remember, had a lot of legal trouble. So Billy had to get to know him personally, to realize he was back on the right road. Um, and and so he created this niche of of going to minor uh, independent league baseball where scouts weren't there. I mean, he was it. And uh, so lo and behold, the independent league mushrooms around him. And all of a sudden he's got five teams within driving distance and his driving distance is different than yours and mine. You know, he'll, he'll drive to Milwaukee and back in a day, 120 miles each way, whatever. And um, so he's he's not afraid to drive. I love to drive. When I go to New Jersey, I drive straight through. But Billy spends 32,000 miles in his car, a year at least. And I asked him about everything, including like what music he listens to. And he says he's got a jukebox basically in his phone, but downloads the songs, one hit wonders from the 80s, things like that. So Just so you know a little bit more about Billy as a person. So nicest guy in the world. Lo and behold, 29 years, going into his 30th year, 55 years old, twins eliminated his position. And again, he found them so many good little players and great players too. His position paid for itself many times over many, 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 many times over, but that's the world we live in. Believe me, I know I've been eliminated from my position, um, three years ago, four years ago. So it happens. You move on. And, uh, Billy was really down, so I called him at that time. We spoke to for a long time, and I said it's not right. The it's it's not the right time to write a, com- a column because I wanted to wait. I ha- I had hoped that a team would hire him, that one team would come to its senses, and actually two teams uh uh wanted to hire him. After like nine weeks, he finally got interviews. The Rockies hired him. He's back doing his thing. Plus, he's helping them with their pro scouting, of course. And um, it's just a nice story about a new day in baseball and that shows that scouts are people too. So I would recommend everyone, I don't want to talk too much about my stuff because uh, I want you to read it and feel it and, and learn it that way. And you know what? You young people out there learn to read. All right, go out and read something. huh? Don't just uh, don't just read um, graphic novels or uh, text or listen to uh, Instagram comments from athletes who can barely speak English anymore. Um, and, and, uh, go out and read something that makes some sense. Start with boldmind.com and, uh,
0: I'll leave it at that. That's a, a strong opening and now uh, you can yeah. get right to our guests. Yeah. I, I love the article too. The, uh, it touched a lot of people cause you're right. The, the human side of it outside of Billy, what he did as a professional is respected and he's a great human being. Well, um, a lot of people
1: reach out to me, obviously, cause they want to know about Billy and I'm talking about, you know, top people in the sport. Besides regular fans and things like that. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, there's still a heart and soul in baseball if you allow it to happen.
0: Yeah. No, and you bring that out twice a week uh, with Ball Nine and, and every week here on our show as well. I didn't, I, I give your articles to our four children. They read them as part of homeschool. Great. Um, and then great. they have to, it means something different to all of them. And we, I mentioned Tanner earlier. I didn't realize I had a Billy, uh, Billy encounter early on. In my life, I I played most of my professional baseball career in the independent leagues. Sure. And Tanner was pulling out some stuff. When I read the articles, I don't stop at the article. If you see something, that's your next read. So he remembered seeing some notes. I kept a journal. And uh, so he was going through journal and he pulled out and he couldn't figure out if it was in Evansville or with the Chillicothe paints. But the gentleman who was helping me with my career was Tony Ferrara. Long time batting practice pitcher for the Mets and the Yankees. Oh yeah, um, took a liking to me and um, just decided to help me keep playing. And in the notes, it said, "Note from Tony: Billy Milos is going to come see you in, and it." And it couldn't couldn't figure if it was Evansville or Chillicothe, but those were where's in the Chillicothe? Where's that's that? It's in Ohio, Chillicothe, Ohio. I would say probably Evansville. Yeah, it was. Uh, and that was in the Frontier League. That was the, the league back then. But well, that one of the
1: least still scouts, and it's yeah. the oldest.
0: It's the oldest independent league, and there's 16 teams now.
1: That's another thing, and I'm glad that touches you that way, but we also – we give people history of the game here, you know. They they don't know anything about the independent leagues, and and also the fact – one small point, I don't mean to digress, but that's what what we do here. Um, You know, Kane County and some other teams that were were affiliated lost their affiliation, so they had to survive. Tri-City Valley Cats had to survive, so they become independent. So Billy has more people to look at now, and because the draft is uh, much – uh, not as deep as it once was. They don't have as many rounds. Some of these guys wind up there. He had a, 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 I'll leave with this. He has a hitter that he signed last year for the Twins. Carson McCuskers is his name, 6'8", played at Oklahoma State, big boy, tons of home runs, had like a 1,300 OPS in um, uh, over at Tri City Valley Cats up in uh, New York State. And and he's uh, he did real well at ball on High A, and we'll see where he goes. But that's uh, so so you you know you, you you if Billy Billy if you played independently, Billy knows about you, and he knows yeah. about you.
0: Yeah, that was. I'll get him on the show sometime. He's a great talker too. So. Oh, I would, yeah, you've mentioned him in the past, and and uh, again that that was funny. And it, it, it's amazing since you and I met. I've had more of those little uh, five, six people removed, and usually either Tanner or my older son, Blue, is the ones that figures it out because we forget as we get older. But I kept journals on all that stuff with playing and coaching, so they rifle through them, and uh, they, they remember better than I do sometimes. But uh, yeah, you, you bring about baseball history, and you force people to think, and I, and I love that about your writing. I love that about you on the show as well. And uh, with that, we, we, we told our guests before, we do a, we do a nice... Intro and, and a monologue here, and I hope he enjoyed it as well. But I want to introduce Jason Collar into the show, the founder of Kin- the Kinetic Arm. Um, he's been on our show, uh, one of our other shows with Jeff Fry. She gone gave a chance to talk about his philosophies on pitching, a little bit of his history. And Jason, I hope you don't mind if we we don't ask you a couple of those same questions, just because we do have different audiences for each show, and uh, don't want them to miss out any of the nuances that helped you. Uh, come up with this great, great product that my son is using right now and, and just absolutely loves it. So um, with that, Jason Collin, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, David, thank you very much for having me. And Kevin, it's incredible to hear the the nostalgia and the history is still alive because that's the, the baseball that a lot of us grew up watching and going to the independent game. So um, I can't wait to dive in and, and read your articles. It sounds great. Appreciate that.
0: Yeah, Kevin, and I forgot to mention, Susan Waldron was on the show last week. Oh, Susan. Nice. And at yeah. the end, she gave a great tribute to uh, to both you and Jim Cott as people who helped her wow. grow and who she loved being around. So um, we clipped that out for millions to put out on, on their post. So we'll make sure that gets tagged to you and to Ball Nine as well. Uh, Susan's,
1: a, Susan's a very dedicated, uh, loves baseball, seen so much. And unlike one quick point on Susan. um Susan's in that clubhouse, man. She's talking to people. She's uh, there's a lot of uh, people in sports who don't talk to people, but Susan is. Uh, she's talking to everybody, and she has. She builds up a rapport with players, coaches, uh, managers, and um, and really, uh, really. I I really enjoy. I love you know. I love John. I love Susan in their own little way. I used to do the fifth inning with them. Of course, when the post sponsored that for a while. And They always said I was the best fifth inning person they had because I came on. I actually knew the game. I played, as you know, Dave. I played yeah. it and everything else, and uh, so unlike the other writers, you know, I actually knew what I was talking about, and um, and we'll say it. Yeah, and we'll say it, and uh, and was right on. And 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 just an aside, how, how many years have I been saying that the big boy from the Yankees needs to get in shape and be athletic and not Stanton, not just be Frankenstein or Herman Munster. I mean, I've been saying for years, uh, uh, you know, Aaron Judge, I told Judge years ago, forget the weight. You are already hit at 450 feet. Get get more agile, get more flexible. So so the things I see are in baseball are like five years, 10 years ahead of when they, these guys actually do it. I only, hope, I only hope Stanton isn't too far gone where he's gone physically. So uh, that kind of blends back into where we're going physically, keeping athletes healthy and get back to Jason.
0: Yeah. But but Jason, I I want you, if you don't mind, give the audience, uh, I'm going to ask this one double question and kind of turn you over to Kevin. Um, Take your time, Dave. Ask as many as you want. Tell the audience, you know, give them your background, who you are. And in that process, I know it'll come out naturally, but why did you feel the need to create the kinetic arm? What problems did you see in the pitching industry that you felt or throwing industry for that matter? That you felt this was a necessity out there the world needed this
2: okay um so again jason collar and i grew up playing baseball and from age 11 till mid-20s my arm hurt every season so i did everything my coaches said everything my strength coaches said Um, anything that i saw the pro guys were doing tried that as well and i always you know just seemed to end up injured and i think a, a big part of it was I knew that I had to work hard, so it was, I made it a point to outwork everyone that I played with, and naturally that leads to, you know, breakdown. Uh, so, you know, struggled through every season, uh, missed a couple seasons, sometimes I'd end up at DH, but in the summertime my arm felt great when I wasn't doing all the, the stretching and smashing and, um, you know, what's commonly done in baseball that we don't understand is causing, you know, muscles to shut down, and it's doing more harm than good a lot of times. Um, so we can we can certainly dive into that more. But as I got into my mid-20s, um, you know, still chasing that dream, I was sponsored to play growing up, so it kept me on track. And that's why the, the Kinetic Arm mission really means a lot to me, because a lot of athletes are getting hurt at younger ages now, and baseball's changed dramatically. So if people don't realize that baseball as a whole is failing, we've got to step back and take a, a good look at the injury statistics because Uh, You know, at the major league level, baseball prospectus reported that elbow and shoulder injuries were up 44 percent at some point um, from last season. And they've got the fanciest technology. I mean, most advanced technology, smartest doctors, medical professionals, you know, two dozen on their staff. And they still can't prevent preventable injuries. And then we look at who's making the MLB, you know, pitch smart program for Little League. Um, it's ridiculous that they would be in charge of that. So I think we need to, to step back and take a look. But I, when I left baseball, I started helping stroke victims regain function again after a decade uh, working with traumatic brain injuries. So some very, very tough cases. And I get patients sent to me from orthopedic surgeons and physical therapists when they can't figure out what's wrong with their athlete or patient. So we've definitely had up to $200 million quarterback Um, a lot of major league baseball guys, guys in the UFC, world champions and other sports travel to the facility here, um, which is great, but I care more about the kids and keeping them on track. So I started having more injured kids come in with the same arm issues that I had. And the, the number was getting pretty alarming and the doctors and the PTs weren't giving sufficient answers to the parents. So I thought, you know what? I've been through this. And I've learned as much as I could about, you know, the musculoskeletal system, so internal performance, Mm -hmm. and then the physics of resistance mechanics, so external performance. And I realized that unless we offload stress externally, there's no chance at making a dent in this arm injury epidemic. And everyone's quick to say, oh, you could just learn how to throw properly or, oh, you could, you know, not have your kids play this much. If it was that easy, then, you know, it would have been done by now. Uh, but if we look back at the invention of the baseball glove in the 1870s and for the the baseball purists out there who um you know really cling to being purists and not wanting change pitching used to be done underhand and they didn't wear gloves so the guys that started wearing gloves they they said it was unmasculine and called them sissy mittens and then when ag spalding after he standardized the baseball he started wearing the baseball glove and it was accepted so to me, it's a, it's an exact parallel. You know, we had too much of a compressive force that was breaking hands and fingers as they started throwing harder. And now what the kinetic arm does is it, it offloads that distraction force externally. So, um, you know, it's, it's needed. We see the injury rate keep going up, especially with its kind of velocity at all costs and everyone wants, you know, lightning in a bottle. And, you know, you can gain and sustain velocity, but the major objective of the kinetic arm is to protect these arms and keep kids on the field so they can, you know, learn those valuable life lessons and enjoy the game of baseball or other sports where, you know, it's also offloading floating stress. Um, and if it gets them to play at the high school level, then that's incredible. And if it gets them into college, again, that's great. And for the professional guys, now we're having more teams reach out in order. If it gives them an extra couple of years of, of playing because that's their career, then any one of those is a huge success. But our mission is really to, to help these kids stay pain-free and continue to play the game.
0: Yeah, just so our audience knows that you're just not, you know, just you know, there's all these gadgets out there. This is scientific in nature. Just real, give, give your academic background and, and also the level at which you played, because you, you're you're dual personality, or you're a guy like Kevin. You're a guy that actually played at a high level, and you're somebody who's who's pronounced in your profession.
2: Yeah, so I, with playing, um, I think I, I might have gone to five colleges. So I was when my arm was fresh, I was good enough to go somewhere and get usually a, a full ride and get it covered. And then, um, you know, fall season would go well. And then by the spring, my arm was wrecked. And, uh, you know, then I end up going to another place and, and playing there, but um, it was a struggle because of the arm injuries. And then I took three years off and went back to an uh, independent league in Texas and, you know, things were going real well. And I was out there with my pec ripped off the bone and I've played several seasons with muscles ripped off, you know, bones broken um you know nothing was going to stop me but then it was finally you know a hamstring tear so they they uh they said well that's it so after that I I went through all the muscle activation techniques uh mastery level classes for neuromuscular testing and then through the resistance training specialist program which is all the physics of resistance mechanics so having that skill set and building on it and diving into a couple more that's what led me to teaching in physical therapy clinics and lecturing at universities and being a keynote speaker so um yeah athlete and and uh definitely a big nerd just looking to be a biomechanical problem solver and and keep athletes pain-free doing what they love
0: you're a good nerd you're trying to solve problems not create more problems thank you (laughs) because we we use that phrase on on this show all the time well tell 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 us how this is different than than other products out there that may look like it um and i i did again tanner's using it. and the thing he mentioned was that it offloads that stress externally but in me doing the research before i put anything on my kid what i liked is that it was it's a multi-joint dynamic stabilizer um i've heard you say that a ton and hopefully i didn't ruin the punchline with how it's different but explain how this is different than than other products that are out there like it
2: oh it's a it's a great description because if we address just the shoulder then elbow stress is going to go up and vice versa. So that's why these compression sleeves and anything that may look similar, um, you know, just aren't doing it. And then we've got a great abstract where we collected data with the first version, and that was done by the Secretary General for the American Baseball Biomechanics Society, Brittany Dowling. So we, we got a, a lot of data on video, so you can see it on our YouTube Pitch by Pitch, and that was done with uh, uh, the Modus sensor. And then uh, University of Texas at Tyler, they reached out and said, hey, we just published some research. Um, so they also found not only did it you know get the elbow stress down, but they also did a case study showing how they had a shortstop with a torn labrum and he wasn't able to throw, and they put the kinetic arm on him and he was able to finish the season you know pain free. And we don't we don't recommend you know if you have pain to put it on as kind of a band aid. It should be you know preventative, um, but it's interesting to hear how well it works. And then Lance Dobbins, who played professionally and scouted for a while, he's at uh, College Station lab h3 he's been collecting data for i think 18 months and his son hunter dobbins is a top prospect with the red sox he's in their double a program so we've had a lot a lot more mlb and milb guys using it and they say it cuts the recovery time almost in half so we also have at least a dozen uh, orthopedic surgeons physical therapists you know dpts chiropractors um, recommending the product because. They're using it in their clinics but they're also recommending it for prevention So we get a lot of emails from people saying hey my doctor recommended this and you know we've never even talked to their doctor or their athletic trainer so it's it's great to hear that' we're, we're making some waves and um, I think it's going to be the, the biggest thing to hit baseball because we can prevent these injuries
0: yeah. and just so our audience knows you' you mean you're out there major league clubs yesterday you had to unload 5,000 boxes yourself was that right Did I see that right? In my text now my question to use too is you know you and your wife worked together on this project one did you use the kinetic arm and two did she help
2: oh she she and alex uh they were they were trying to get all the orders out we had um, we had quite a quite an influx of orders so it was a it was a great surge so i ended up ended up unloading all the boxes myself but they were getting a lot of a lot of carrying and lifting done here at the same time so we've there's still, yeah, still just uh, the three of us running the operation, but um, we're, we're growing at a pretty fast pace. Yeah,
0: we love it. Last question, I'll i turn it over to Kevin here, is Is—is um, for the people out there that are uh, heretics by nature, is this within the rules to wear during a game?
2: Yes, yeah, so we actually had uh, one major league team, their position players were using it last year, and I deal with them directly, so, you know, I know that it is being used, but they have to cover it with uh, the sleeve or the, the brand that sponsors them. So I think that particular team you know, had to wear a Nike sleeve over it. Uh, but we've we've had some of the biggest-named athletes, uh, their, their PTs reach out or I'll meet with them personally as they're coming through Atlanta. Um, so we know who's using it and how, how well it's working for them. So I think it might have to be covered for licensing reasons in Major League Baseball. But up to the Division I level, we see it used on the mound and there haven't been any issues and even down to little league, you know, because it's an all black sleeve, it's been perfectly fine. And over in Japan for, I think three or four years, we've had some of the top pitchers in the NPB um, like Shoto Imanaga and, and several others. Uh, he used it to come back from a floor flexor strain and ended up throwing a no hitter and having a great season. Now we're not taking credit for the no hitter, but just him getting back to playing pain free was great. And our distributor over there met with, the front office of the Nippon professional baseball league. And they said, this is legal to use in game and on the mound, as long as it's not reflective. I love
0: that. No, I think that's it. And Kevin, I'll pass, pass it on to you. And I think before we do Kevin or uh, Jason, you, you mentioned about the the logo on there, you know, whatever their brand is. I hear for all those sneaker companies or all those apparel companies, listen, potential licensing deal here. So uh, may want to reach out to Jason. I'll pass on you, Kevin.
2: How much does this cost, Jason? The youth version is 109 and the adult version is 199 And then we've got, uh, we call those the K2 sleeve. And then we've got a K1 version that's more for rehabilitation. It's a little bit more rigid. Um, so you can use it as kind of an active constraint or a way to progress back to throwing with the range that you feel comfortable with, and then slowly open that up versus uh, just kind of cranking on the arm, you know, saying you have the range of motion, but neurologically you're not able to get a good contraction there.
1: Now, now seeing pictures of it, it, it appears to be, and tell me if I'm using the wrong word here. It's like, it seems to be some type of harness type contraption, right? Uh, just explain what makes it different and uh, how it protects both the elbow and the shoulder. Cause I thought that was interesting. What you said that when they wear a sleeve to protect their elbow, then you just, you just transferring the stress to another part of the arm.
2: Yeah. So we have a, a muscle on our lower body called the sartorius and it crosses the hip and the knee so when you if you're standing up and you lift your knee up and you move your foot out to the side so your your femur your thigh is internally rotating and then you sweep that foot <coughs> excuse me the other way then that muscle shortens so that was my thought process was if we can develop an external muscular system for the upper body and you have to have anchor points so that's the reason kind of like a muscle you have the origin and insertion so we know where the shoulder and the elbow break down and we know exactly why. So at end range, uh, max external rotation or end layback, that's where peak stress happens. So we know that that's a passive range because muscles stabilize joints and at mid range, they're the strongest and in end range, they're the weakest. That's why when you're in the gym, you don't want to go all the way down on curls or bench press or squats right, right. or other exercises. So it's, it's that thought process of well as we go into that range where we're the weakest and we know that stress is going up and it's going to the passive connective tissue causing the overuse injury what if we had something externally that would absorb that tension and stress and help to stabilize the joints so that's why it's shaped the way it is because it's running uh the the same line of the muscle fibers of the muscles that are contributing to stabilizing the front of the shoulder and the elbow but we just have a little bit more mechanical advantage and stability and it's also adjustable as well. So depending on the position you play or your arm slot, it'll help offload stress externally in any anatomically safe range.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And in the, uh, back in the day, I remember when, uh, Barry Bonds started wearing that really heavy duty, uh, elbow guard. But if I remember correctly, it also seemed to have some kind of limiting, um, ability to where he wouldn't overextend the elbow. Uh, are, are you familiar with what he wore? And is this, uh, are we just like into like the, the Elon Musk portion of this
2: now where you're just taking it to another, another uh, degree? We're kind of getting to another degree. Um, what he wore was, it did look like it limited extension a little bit. I'm That's not what sure. I if, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if that was the goal or just the amount of padding and uh-huh. straps that he had on there did it. Um, but it's, I've heard from from some of our pro guys that you know Araldus Chapman uses a lot of compression and he's kind of on the right track. And then I had one of my clients, uh, Shane Graham, he was an NFL kicker. And he said when he played with Tom Brady, that uh, Tom Brady tried to create something like this out of a scuba suit, you know, using neoprene. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people have had this thought process and we've we've actually had some orthopedic surgeons reach out and say that, you know, they tried to come up with it 10, 15 years ago, but there's a, a mechanical engineering component to it. So with the, the motion capture and all the fancy technology, that's great. It shows you how things are moving, but you have no idea why things are moving that way. So now we know exactly you know where peak stress is the highest. We know uh, where the muscles aren't going to be able to stabilize the joints effectively. And we can offload that stress. So we're, we're definitely kind of on the, uh, the Elon Musk-esque um, portion of the, the innovation.
1: Yeah, that's, that, that's great. And, the, uh, and what age limits are we talking about? What, 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 what would you recommend this for?
2: We have kids down to six, seven years old, if the small will fit. So that's a a whole nother can of worms in, you know, volleyball, basketball, soccer, all these other sports, youth athletes use a lighter weight ball. um, But we still have, you know, kids using the same weight ball as an adult, but they're not using the same weight bat. So that's, that's interesting. Um, Yep. And I, I don't understand why that's, why that's not changing, but I think, I think there's a lot of ways where, you know, we're still pretty far behind with wanting to keep kind of the, the purest and the, and the traditional element to it. But as we see the arm injuries continue to climb because kids are playing too much, I think we need to step back and, and rethink that. But on the other end of the spectrum, we've got a 75-year-old coach named Bert Strain out in California. Uh, he grew up with Dusty Baker and Brent Strom, played with those guys. Uh, he's a coach throwing, you know, three, 400 balls every other day. And again, at 75 and still no arm pain because you can just shift it over and adjust it to offload more stress.
1: Yeah, that makes great sense because one of the things I was thinking about when you're saying this, you know, I'm 70, so, um, you know, it probably would work for, like, uh, older people in their adult leagues
2: or senior leagues. Yeah, we've, we've had some incredible feedback from some athletes in their 60s, you know, low to mid-60s. One of them said he, he caught, I think, 31 games in – 42 days or 39 games, something like that. But it's – even with getting kids back on the field, it's it's just been incredible hearing how dads are able to throw with their sons again, you know, because that's, that's really important time when you're growing up. It's time you get to spend with your dad and, you know, build that relationship. So if if this can do that, then that's a huge win. But also for the coaches that still want to keep throwing batting practice and still want to be part of the game um, or jump in the men's leagues, you know, it's, it's actually – We've got a 60, I think he's 63 or 64 now. He was a uh, JV coach at my high school and it's gotten him three more seasons in the uh, the men's league. Alan Lope, the pitcher, and he's out there throwing game after game. And um, I think he's on his 33rd season and it's it's just incredible to hear. So every time we get that feedback, it just, it motivates us to keep working harder and harder to keep improving what we're doing. And it's not just for pitchers, obviously. Right. We're, we're seeing a lot more Tommy John surgeries and injuries with catchers and position players. I mean, yes. Bryce Harper's an example of that. Um, and personally, I think it's from when he hyperextended his knee. I think it led to a hip issue, and I've seen that with athletes plenty. Um, so that probably changed something in his mechanics, causing his arm to work harder. But these, these major league teams and, of course, the college and high school, they may not have a specialist with the skill set to identify and correct that. So if this can be kind of a safety net or insurance policy for your arm, then... Again, that's a huge win. And you say you, uh, you you deal with one major league team right now? Uh, we've got several, okay. several teams. Um, some ordered. We had one team order another dozen for their pitching staff before the playoffs last year. Uh, we had another team that ordered four or five for their infielders, and then they ended up getting more. So they had some for practice, some for game. I had a team reach out yesterday because they've got a hitter with unstable front shoulder. So we also have hitters. Wear it on their lead shoulder if they have a history of uh, you know subluxation where it pops out or labrum tears. So it's been interesting to hear the, the different applications. And then for catchers, middle infielders, third basemen, they can shift it more towards their glove side, uh, you know, for that shorter arm slot. And then for outfielders or pitchers, if they've got a longer arm action, it's just a small shift towards their throwing arm. And that's that's another great feature is the adjustability is so simple. And we're dealing with athletes, so if it doesn't feel right, just shift it an inch.
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a guy that just made $700 million that could probably use something like that and, um, you know, uh, hurt, hurt his arm pitching, and it, I would imagine it would help him hitting as well. But, uh, Jason, uh, I also want to ask about there's so much use with uh, heavy balls and things like that, and you made a, you made a great point, I thought, about uh, youngsters using the regular, you know, the regular baseball that they use weight-wise. What's your position with heavy ball usage and all that stuff and and pitchers throwing the heavy ball and and everything else?
2: I think the weighted balls are are great tools. But with kids, if we're already exceeding what their body can handle with a five-ounce ball, um, you know, force equals mass times acceleration. So if we have more mass and they're throwing it hard, so we have that acceleration, especially with the throwing motion – if we already have arms breaking down at a, at a high rate, then it seems extremely counterintuitive Uh, for a lot of years, you know, baseball players didn't use them and it looks like the arm injury rate keeps going up and we we could probably make some correlations between the use of weighted balls or the, you know, rise of participation in travel ball or, you know, the, the fancy technology, things like that. But there's, there are very few things I would have an athlete do with a, a weighted ball and one would be just you know throwing it straight down into the ground with their elbow at their side because then you can you can work your forearm flexors to be more explosive and the point where you're applying that force is at the end of the fingertips and we're not violating uh because the elbow is a hinge joint it just does flexion and extension so we're not going to have any of that dynamic valgus that leads to you know fraying or breaking down of the ucl once the forearm flexors get tired so to me either that or Kind of flipping it up in your hand in front of you. Those are really the only two things that, that I would do with it.
1: No, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, that was kind of like a trap question to see where you are in it, but uh, you answered it well. And um, the, because uh, I think it's one of the great, you know, I'm just going to flat out say it. The, the, to me, the biggest problem with what's going on in sports and like, especially baseball, why guys are getting hurt, there's so many people in charge of teams now and in charge of pitching programs who never pitched, don't understand it uh they're they're great smart people don't get me wrong but uh i think they don't understand where the stress is and the other thing i wanted to throw out there is they don't um they don't work enough in the minor leagues i mean you, you go from overworking as a kid to getting in the minor leagues where you don't pitch enough then then you get a burst of innings and then you have next thing you know like just happened with the Orioles. Uh, I think Bradish, what's his name? Uh, Bradish, I think his name is. Uh, he he's going Tommy John because he just went last year. He had mornings like seventy mornings than he ever had, and uh, so so there's not a buildup. So there's so many things. It sounds to me like you're going to ha- always have customers because the way they run this thing.
2: Yeah, and that's again we didn't we didn't want to have to invent this. Um, we've, we're plenty busy with the sports performance center, but with baseball they're kind of rearranging the same pieces of the same puzzle and expecting to get a different result. And that's Mm. pretty much the definition of insanity. And and I know a lot of, a lot of players are trying to go to, you know, outside trainers now, and it's a lot of these Instagram yahoos. And you got to remember just because they have a big following, you can pay for followers. Um, And just because, you know, they're at the top of the hill first does not mean they belong there. I've been to some conferences and heard, you know, some of these top, well, so-called top guys speak and, um, they're incredibly far behind. And I think baseball as a whole is incredibly far behind because, um, you know, you're always told to to stretch. So you keep stretching and well, how much range of motion is enough? And, you know, why does the body tighten up after that? So those are things that we can dive pretty deep into, but then when you get hurt, they tell you to stretch. So it's, it's kind of like if I bang my head against the wall and get a headache, should I keep banging my head against the wall? But it's one of those things that we may not see change. But if you if you look up uh, just Google, we'll say White Sox hamstring injuries. Oh, yeah. or you could just put baseball yeah. hamstring injuries. Yeah. And I've I know people that are, you know, behind the scenes and some that are trainers, some that are biomechanists and what they're doing. They don't have a thorough understanding of how the body functions. So I always say regurgitation blocks innovation. So what they're doing is they'll say, oh, well, this is what we did you know, back when I played or, um, you know, this is what so-and-so is doing. Like we see with these, these water bags now, you know, it's a tool. Um, but we should be a lot more precise with how we're applying force. Um, so we're seeing, you know, everybody wants to make the argument, Oh, well they're using every major league clubhouse now. Yeah. And you know what? Those guys are getting injured left and right. But when we see spring training start, uh, we hear about all the, the arms blowing out. So it just, again, unless we offload stress externally, then I don't think we're ever going to see a decrease in these arm injuries because they're not changing their thought processes. And then again, there's the the business element of it, where if you get injured, okay, there's 10, 20, 50 guys that can just take your place. So you wonder if if they truly care. And I've heard I've heard there's uh, I think there may be a new committee looking into you know arm injuries. And I mean, think about it. Everybody has an, uh, an arm care program. The arm might not be the problem. I've had a picture in here from the Braves where it was his hip when we corrected his hip function and it was a neuromuscular issue. The elbow pain went away because he already had Tommy John. So the fact that, um, you know, the ASMI, the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons Conference, that they're still just obsessed with the arm. If you don't understand how the body functions from where your feet touch the ground, then your arm care program is worthless. You could have the strongest arm in the world, but at some point you're going to exceed what it can do and you're going to get injured.
1: You see all the time. I mean, you know, for all the decades I covered baseball, you know, hip injuries were, you know, they they would create other things. I mean, uh, you can go back to one of the greatest hip injuries of all time, uh, you know, Bo Jackson. You know, that was that was a a radical injury, but it is all connected. That's from day one. And again, if you have people in charge who never played and don't even understand the feeling of how when you know i know with my hip or whatever if if something's offline all of a sudden i'm feeling pain somewhere else that that's all connected and um no it's very interesting your product sounds great um i'm glad we were able to give you so much time explaining about it and um where it's going and and unfortunately with with the way baseball is you're going to have clients but uh it seems to me like just one last thing that the um this is something you'd recommend pretty early on for a player uh, uh, to kind of keep, give them a, it's almost like, a, I mean, I don't want to make it as simple as this, but you know, it's like when batting helmets came in, you know, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good idea to wear a batting helmet. It's a pretty good idea maybe to wear this. Just your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, and it's it's kind of like um, you know a seat belt or you know it's it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. but as kids are growing, you know the growth plates hadn't hardened yet. And then we've got to also take into account growing pains. So things like Seaver's disease, Oshgood, Schlatter's, where you have pain at the knee or the heel, where um, there could be other areas with the hip, that's going to affect uh, how they're generating that, that ground reaction force and you know how they're pushing off from the ground. So if they can't push off the ground to get some momentum going, then the arm is going to have to work harder. And I've had parents come in you know, where I've explained that to them and they think, oh, well, I just need a pitching instructor it's like no with the way that they're functioning i would recommend wearing this even if they just wear it through those developmental years so they're not getting all that that abuse on their shoulder and their elbow um I, there's no telling how many more years or how many more seasons they could get out of their arm because we offloaded that stress externally and if we think about you know batting gloves you know you don't really need them but it's better to have them and it's going to protect your hands even these, you know, sliding mitts that are all over the place nowadays. You could say, oh, you could just learn how to slide properly, um, but it's it's about prevention. So I think I think it should be an imperative piece of equipment, you know, from a young age, even if just for pitchers, or if they're, you know, pitchers and catchers, because we see a lot of them pitching and catching sometimes in the same day. So yeah, I think I think it should be an imperative piece of safety equipment from a young age. Um, that way, we can keep these kids on the field and. Uh, hopefully cut down on injuries because as you guys know, when you hurt your elbow or your shoulder or another area playing sports for the rest of your life, that now affects you. It's not like you stop playing baseball, you get a new shoulder and, you know, a new arm when you're done and you can go on about your life. It's going to affect when you want to throw with your son or throw with your daughter. It's going to affect when you've, you've got to work on your car or do something in the yard. So um, if we can prevent that permanent damage from happening, then that's a if it's as easy as sliding a sleeve on your arm before you go out to play, then to me it's definitely worth it.
1: And the sleeve, just lastly, the sleeve, like say you buy it for a ten-year-old, it's it's adjustable, so it works for a couple of years. Or how, what's the normal length and time?
2: It depends on the height and weight. Okay. So the the way it fits is pretty precise. Um, we wouldn't want to have it too loose, and we definitely don't want to have it too tight for comfort reasons, but. We've seen we've seen athletes. Some of them get well over a year out of it. Um, some of them might hit a growth spurt, but um, again, they're paying. You know, at I think I had a, a nine-year-old in here. His dad paid three hundred dollars for his bat, and we're seeing oh, yeah. you know four or five hundred dollars. And um, you know, if you can't hit, that doesn't do you any good. But you you can't go if you can't throw. So if we can keep their arms healthy with a, a small investment, that's a lot less than physical therapy or, or surgery. Then yeah, it should be should be a no-brainer.
1: Has anyone tried to knock off your product yet? Anybody else doing anything
2: like it? Or no, we've we have five U.S. patents right now, okay, um, and they're they're very very well done um, because nobody's thought of something like this before. Um, you know, we're we're all about uh, kind of offloading that compressive force, so like with padding. Um, but if we if we know where all the muscles attach. And the the joint angles that we're going into and in the body positions where we need that extra support, it actually took about a year to dial in what's called the the modulus of elasticity or the stretch recoil of the polymers on there to make sure it's not like a rubber band that's going to snap your arm forward. Because it it's not meant to be a performance enhancer. It's just meant to protect you where you need that protection. And it's not going to interfere with changing your mechanics. We've actually had a lot of people say that it, it, uh, kind of creates a, a better arm path or makes them more efficient. So, um, hearing that kind of feedback definitely lets us know that we're on the right track, but we haven't seen any, anybody try to knock it off yet. And I don't, uh, I don't think we will.
1: Yeah. I, w- I would think that it would give you a, uh, as for an arm path, it would kind of give you a guide. So I, I would think it would be good in that respect too, like you just said. So it's, doesn't seem like there's a downside, so uh, it was great having you on, and I'll uh, throw it back to Dave.
0: Yeah, no, that was great information, I think, for our audience. Uh, <clears throat> Jason, I got just two questions, and these are points that were made by, by Tanner because he's wearing it. <clears throat> he mentioned two things. One, that he's been, he's been taught to throw properly as a catcher all the way up the line, but he feels like you know when he gets fatigued, when he's hitting that, that lull, that this is a great reminder to him in terms of his arm lagging behind. How much credibility does that statement have to what you're trying to do?
2: Yeah, and that goes back to what I was saying about you can adjust it uh, for, you know, that position or specific arm path. And the the data we have on YouTube, we actually had two or three catchers that just finished a catching camp. So not not ideal candidates for gathering data because they're already pretty fatigued. But what we saw was their elbow stress went down and their velocity went up a little bit because we're able to get them back to a better arm path. Um, So he's, he's spot on. So you can shift it a little more towards your glove side. And then as you pop up, even when you get tired, it's not going to let your arm lag behind. So when your arm lag lags behind, it's going to put more stress on the biceps tendon and the labrum. So that's what'll lead to a slap tear. And then if we think about kids, because kids are still developing neurologically and the brain is trying to orchestrate, you know, the best solution for that movement based on what's available. A lot of times that's why it's not as easy as saying, Hey, get your arm up or, you know, don't let your arm drag behind because they might not have the strength in that range yet. So if we can use this as like an active constraint and kind of better help guide them, you know, neurologically and get them the feeling of where their arm should be, then that can really not only prevent stress and injuries, but set them up for success as far as being more efficient with their mechanics. So yeah, he's, he's spot on. He's
0: got one more here. Um, he, you know, he's, he's still in that phase of growing right now, that that adolescent age where you see you know, a lot of injuries happen with these kids. So parts of him are developed, parts of him are still growing and, and whatnot. He feels like, especially in this age of, pitchers should think about this, this age of max velocity, which I hate and we all hate here. But he feels like your uh, kinetic arm helps him with the deceleration process, which is important if you want to go fast. It's just like your car. You can only go as fast as your car, your brakes will allow you to slow down. So how how much credibility does he have in that statement?
2: He's spot on there too. And a big piece of what's missed when we talk about stress on the arm is the follow-through and the deceleration. If you think about it, the mass of your arm flying through space after you release that ball, that is stress. So slowing that arm down, it's going to be a distraction force at the elbow and the shoulder all the way back to the scapula. So the polymers on the backside, those will help offload Uh, For deceleration, so it would be the the eccentric control of that scapula coming forward And if we look at a lot of times when I have athletes come in I can see if they're right or left-handed, you know, because that shoulder is sitting lower or it's sitting more forwards So one thing that's not talked about besides the distraction force with deceleration is your your shoulder position If you've got an athlete that has their shoulder tilted forward or down a little bit, it's already compromised Because when they try to bring that arm back, you're going to get impingement on that backside and you're not going to get as much layback. So naturally, arm stress is going to go up significantly more. So what the sleeve will do, because it covers so much surface area all the way down to the wrist, it almost helps hold the arm up. So while we're we're standing there or waiting to throw, it's still offloading the muscles that upwardly rotate that scapula and retract it. So it can help get it back to a better kind of, preset neutral position so we can offload stress even when they're not wearing it because once we fatigue those decelerators the arm's going to kind of angle forward and then again that's going to just expedite the process to injury so excellent observation on his point so it sounds like he's really really feeling the benefits not only with acceleration but deceleration
0: He's made it a part of his wardrobe, so he's wearing it. He'll probably have some information on how he's eating his cereal in the morning as well with it on. So Jason, tell our audience how they can find you. You do have a physical location where you have a performance center. Uh, Tell us where they can find you there. Also, where they can find you online and social media if you're okay with that.
2: Yeah, sounds good. We are located inside Elite Edge Sports Performance in Atlanta, Georgia. So we've got a facility here where uh, we can come do the neuromuscular testing, identify and correct what's going on and Hopefully uh, get you back on the right track fast. And we also have the Kinetic Arms here so you can try them out or you can find us online at thekineticarm.com. We've got some great research articles on there, some great reviews um, or on social media at the Kinetic Arm on Facebook, Instagram. And I think we might be doing TikTok. Nice.
0: Well, uh, and Kevin, remind our audience, that was a great interview, Jason. We appreciate all the info. Remind our audience how they can find you and also support your writing at Ball Nine.
1: Yeah, 9.com uh, Can't miss it. And also, I'm obviously on all social media, AMBS underscore Kernan on X. And uh, find me on Facebook. And actually, I, I should be a test case for a 70-year-old with the kinetic
0: arm. We'll have to just look into that. We'll size you up. Absolutely. Yeah, sounds good. Height, height, weight, and spin rate. We got to get that Okay, I'm,
1: uh, <laughs> I'm pretty good with my height and weight now. I'm uh, 5'11 and a half 194. So, large. Uh, yeah, I'm a large. <laughs> I, I used to be double XL. I used to be 250, Jason. So I lost some weights uh, years ago, and it's been a good thing.
2: I think 194 is a, 194 is better for you. Yeah, way better. Sounds <laughs> easier. Better,
0: better. <laughs> so we'll get you get you sized up doing some TikTok on social media. Yeah, we'll
1: check it out. I'll mention it, too, in my next notes column at the
0: bull9.com, which
1: I may be writing later
0: today.
2: Perfect. Perfect. Time. Excellent. Thank you.
0: So with that audience, also, you can find uh, you can find Kevin on our millions link and you can bring him on to your podcast. You can bring him on uh, to do a speech. You can bring him down in person. You can ask him a question. Uh, all will be ways that you can you can have Kevin Kern and AMBS be a part of your life outside of this podcast and the writings. And that's uh, another way to support our podcasters here. So we'll put that link up in the show notes. Also, support the uh, Kinetic Arm that we talked about today, if you're not a fan, if you weren't a fan before, gosh, I can't imagine not being a fan now, uh, Kinetic Arm, RVG DAG at checkout will get you a discount on your Kinetic Arm for your kid, your young adult, or even if you're an adult in the, the, the men's league. Also, Jaw Bats, uh, RVG at checkout get you a discount on a nice maple bat. Uh, both Tanner and Jeff Fryer are using their models, doing some damage out there. And then uh, pay attention to our, our newest potential – sponsor Monet, a hair product. I don't know how we connected with them, Kevin, but apparently our hat heads are in style right now, so they're going to try to do something. Well, I'm
1: wondering correct. too, with, uh, with Tanner and Jeff both using that, you know, it, it would be good to get the uh, the impression from a much younger mind and goofier mind. So I think we've already gotten it from Tanner, who's much more advanced than Jeff in, in, in lifestyle and everything else. So we'll get
0: the <laughs> younger mind from Jeff. Uh, yeah. We had uh, Jason was on She uh, Gone was it last week or two? So we got a little bit of that, but we may have to press him a little bit more. Maybe Oh, do, we love
1: do, Jeff. He's the best.
0: Do dueling heads with Tanner and Jeff on there with with the jaw batten. Guess which one is
1: the adult?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we uh with um so with with, with Jason show, episode four fifty-nine, look for his stuff in Kevin's show notes. We'll be posting stuff with him online all week this week and this show will be produced and out on the airwaves later on today. So Jason, did we miss anything?
2: No, I think that was I think that was great. I think we we covered a lot. Um we could certainly dive into all of those as a, a big rabbit hole and expand on any of the the nerdy stuff if you guys ever want to. But no, I think that gave a great, great explanation.
0: I'm sure we will. No, we definitely love to have you back and looking forward to partnering with you on some things in the future and certainly love what you're doing. Uh, with your innovative product and, and love how you're affecting baseball out there in a positive way. So, like I said before, you're 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 a nerd that's solving problems, not creating them. So, we oh, like you. All right, guys, thanks so much. Uh, great episode today, Coaching Kernan on the Real Voice of the Game, Episode 459, in the books. Don't let the old man, be. I won't let it alone, can't leave it up to him.
2: he's knocking
0: on my door, and I knew all of